podcasting on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep. So welcome to those watching us on social media. It is Sunday, July 10th, 2022, and we are live. It's good to be uh, back live doing the African History Network show after a few weeks off. Juneteenth was huge uh, for me. I, was, I, I spoke at three different locations. I did media interviews. I was on the Tammy Mac Late Show on um, uh, the Fox Soul TV Network probably next week. Uh, they sent me the video of the show probably next week. I'll share some of that with you uh, on today's show. Towards the end of the show, I'm going to share an excerpt of the um, presentation I did out of Inkster, Michigan that blew people away. OK, so on today's show, once again, we'll talk about uh, the new development in the uh, Emmett Till cold case, the arrest warrant that we told you about a few weeks ago, a few a few weeks ago, it was about maybe two or three months ago that we found out this arrest warrant actually existed, but was never executed. OK, 1955 arrest warrant for Carolyn Brian Dunham. It has been found. OK, and now you have activists who and, and uh, Emmett Till's family members. They want this arrest warrant executed. We're going to talk about the Woman King uh, movie that they debuted September 6, 22. Stan Viola Davis this deals with the African female warriors of Dahomey, the Ahosi or the Mino. And uh, I, I teach about them in the online class that I teach on Saturdays, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. And one of the reasons why I teach about them is because um, the African female warriors that we see depicted in the film Black Panther, the Adora Malaji, the Adora Malaji means the adored ones, the uh, the female warriors from Dahomey were the real life inspiration for the Adora Malaji that we see in Black Panther and in the Black Panther comic book. This wrong. OK, so all of this is uh, connected. There was an article that I posted on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network today from the direct dot com that deals with Black Panther 2 that comes out in November. Name of this article, Black Panther 2 will reportedly make big waves this month. OK, check out that article also. And uh, we're coming up here on a break. Uh, call in numbers 313-778-7600. is the call-in number. If you have a question or comment, we are live. It is uh, Sunday, July 10th, 2022, the African, History, the African History Network show. You can give us a call. Uh, we know Joe Biden did an executive order um, to deal with the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade. We'll talk about that as well. I was on Roland Martin Unfiltered on Friday. And I'm going to share a segment with you dealing with that. And uh, we have a lot more for you on today's show. We're coming up on a break. Listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation, the future radio. I'm your host, with Michael M. Hotel. It is Sunday, July 10th, 2022. And we are live. Hope everybody's doing well. Visit our new website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. Um, I spent a lot of time building a new website. We're making some updates as well. We're about to get to the story uh, dealing with uh, Emmett Till as well and updating the story. But we have a 72-hour uh, uh, weekend sale going on. It's, it's running through, uh, actually it's going to run until uh, Tuesday, July 12th. Uh, you get 30% off of orders of $100 or more uh, for DVD lectures and digital 
digital downloads from uh, lectures, my lectures, and, and a few others uh, at theafricanhistorynetwork.com. Use promo HN30 off July. It's right at the uh, right on our homepage. It excludes online classes. And we have a special edition of uh, my Saturday class. We're going to do it Tuesday, July 12, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Ancient Kemet Moors and the Ma'afa Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school. We have a special edition of that coming up Tuesday. You can still register for that class. It's on sale $60. We'll give you some more information about that as well. All right, now on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you can control the radius of a man's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We deal with current events in history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter, also visit our new website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, um, to... Um, Sign up for the email newsletter there as well. Okay, I want to jump into uh, this this first story here. And this is an update to a story that we did a few months ago, all right? And this is dealing with uh, the uh, cold case of uh, Emmett Till, the murder of Emmett Till. Now, we know that the Department of Justice, uh, I think it was late 2021, the Department of Justice closed out uh, an investigation that they opened because of allegations made by uh, Professor Timothy Tyson in his book that came out in 2017, The Blood of Emmett Till, okay? And uh, we talked about that here on this show as well. And we uh, dealt with the holes in his argument in saying that uh, Carolyn Bryan Dunham recanted her testimony, et cetera. We'll get to that in just a minute. but. This article here from NBC News, Emmett Till's family, um, Emmett Till's family again calls for woman's arrest after the discovery of a 1955 warrant. Okay. And we're going to the phone lines in just a minute. So Norm, hold the line. Again, the call in number is 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. Now, the document dated August 20th, 1955, which was the day after Emmett Till was murdered. He was murdered August 28th, 1955. The document dated August 29th, 1955, was found last month, June 2022, inside a box in the basement of a Mississippi courthouse. Now, here's a picture of Carolyn Bryan Dunham on the left with Juanita Millam, the wives of Roy Bryant and J.W. Millam, two men that murdered Emmett Till. We know they were found uh, not guilty in an all in a courtroom. They had an all white jury, but a few months after the trial, they admitted to killing Emmett Till in an interview for Look Magazine, and they were paid four thousand dollars for the interview. So here, the two uh, women are. Uh, they were uh, in the offices of their husbands' attorneys 
their husband's lawyer in Sumner, Mississippi, September 30th, 1955. Okay, the men were later acquitted in the kidnapping and the murder of Emmett Till. Now, one of the things that makes this case complicate, complicated, as I've said before, is that all the witnesses are dead. Okay, so when you go to court with your witnesses, this article is from July 7, 2022. The family of Emmett Till urged authorities Thursday, urged authorities Thursday to uh, move on a recently discovered unserved warrant from 1955 that charges a white woman in the black teenagers uh, murder and kidnapping. Okay, and this arrest warrant was for kidnapping. Okay, this arrest warrant was for kidnapping. Now, the arrest warrant was never served because the authority said, well, she has two young children and they didn't want to bother her. Okay, um, Mamie Till's son, Emmett, was dead. They didn't want to bother this white woman. Now, Emmett Till's cousin, Priscilla Sterling, pressed District Attorney W, uh, District Attorney W. Dwayne Richardson, whose office would handle a potential prosecution to issue the warrant, the arrest warrant for Carolyn, Carolyn Bryant Dunham. Okay. The rifle of Roy Bryant. Now, Carolyn Bryant Dunham identified as Miss Roy Bryant in the warrant unearthed last month, June, 2022 in the basement of the LaFleur County courthouse was married to one of the two white men tried and acquitted just weeks after Emmett Till was abducted from a relative's home, killed and dumped in the, dumped in the Tallahatchie River. Um, now Sterling said, uh, Priscilla Sterling said, quote, the family wants Carolyn Bryant to face justice. The family wants Carolyn Bryant to face justice. She told this to report on uh, Thursday, uh, July 7th, 2022. We want her to at least come here and defend herself, end quote. Now, the district attorney did not immediately respond to a request for comment. LaFleur County Sheriff Ricky Banks was not immediately available for comment, but he told the Associated Press last month that he had never before heard of the, of the arrest warrant, okay? And it was um, basically a few months ago that we heard about the arrest warrant for the first time. We didn't know that there was an arrest warrant for kidnapping that had been issued for Carolyn Bryant Dunham in 1955. Um, so uh, Sheriff Banks, the Florida County Sheriff Ricky Banks said, I quote, I will see if I can get a copy of the warrant and get with the DA and get their opinion on it. Uh, Sheriff Banks said, according to Associated. The warrant is dated August 29th, 1955. August 29th, 1955, the day after Emmett Till was lynched. And the arrest warrant was inside a file folder that had been placed in a box, said Circuit Clerk Elmus Stocksteel, E L M U S, E L M U S, Stocksteel, who certified the document as genuine. Now, Although the two men, J.W. Millam and Roy Bryant, were acquitted by an all-white jury, they deliberated for something like 45 minutes, something like that. They later admitted to killing Emmett Till in an interview in Look Magazine. Now, if you watch 
eyes on the prize and I have the eyes on the prize on DVD. I bought the box set from Amazon. If you eyes on the prize, eyes on the prize starts with the kidnapping and murder of Emmett Till. And they talk about the trial and you have uh, the brother from the Amsterdam news. You had Congressman Charles Diggs from Michigan, African-American Congressman from Charles Diggs from Michigan. They go down to uh, Mississippi for the trial and African-American news media across the country are there. It was a segregated courtroom. It was like going back in time. It was a segregated courtroom. And they give a firsthand account of what it was like in this courtroom in Mississippi and hearing this trial and seeing the, the an all white jury and seeing African-Americans sitting on one side of the courtroom, white people sitting on the other side and the jury deliberating for something like less than an hour, something like 45 minutes coming back with a not guilty verdict. And everybody knew that these two white men killed Emmett Till. Everybody in Mississippi knew that these were the two white men who killed Emmett Till. Now, although the two men, J.W. Millam and Roy Bryant, were acquitted, they later admitted to killing Emmett Till in the magazine. It was Look Magazine. They were paid $4,000 for their interview. But because of double jeopardy, they could not be uh, tried again for the same crime. They admitted to killing him. Okay. And uh, Roy Bryant said something to the fact that he, he said that they were just trying to scare him. They didn't plan to kill him, but then Emmett Till said something, and he said he looked at Emmett Till and said, boy, you're never going to see your mother again, something to that effect. Now, last year, 2021, a federal investigation that reexamined the murder ended after the Justice Department failed to find proof that Carolyn Bryant Dunham had lied. Now, we broke this down extensively here on this show, and not only that, I walked you through the 16-page report from the Department of Justice. I ain't deal with no he said, she said. When you actually read the 16-page report from the Department of Justice, you see why they can against her. Number one, she maintained that she did not recant her testimony. Two, her daughter-in-law also was interviewed. Her daughter-in-law said she never recanted her testimony. Her daughter-in-law was present for the two interviews that P Professor Timothy Tyson did with Carolyn Bryan Dunham in 2008. And the question I have, the first question that back in 2017, when the story broke that, oh, she recanted her testimony. OK, when you go and read through the, those articles and look for the evidence, there's no evidence she recanted her testimony. And the question I have is if Professor Timothy Tyson interviewed Carolyn Bryan Dunham in 2008, twice and she recanted her testimony why did you wait to 2017 to say something about it about a month before your book called the blood of Emmett Till was coming out if you had smoking gun evidence that she recanted her testimony why did you not go to the authorities why did you wait nine years to say something we're going to deal with this on the other side of the break proper documentation ends all conversation we go through and break this stuff down and provide the evidence for you you listen to the african history network show right here on 9 10 a.m the superstation the future radio i'm michael m hotel 313-778-7600 313-778-7600 is the call and number if you have a question or comment we'll be back in a few minutes the work that i do is larger than the fashion industry it's larger than the art world and I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre. I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. 
The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me. She's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. Ido Network International, in collaboration with STL Black Woman, DACA and ACTA, present the Royal Pilgrimage to the Americas, August 24th through the 28th. The African kings and queens are coming to you for business, networking, and sharing of Pan-African ideals. The venue will be the illustrious En Garde Arts Hotel in St. Louis, Missouri. A royal cultural experience and exhibitions, trade and investment opportunities in Africa, the Caribbean, and the Americas a Royal Pan-African Summit hosting keynote speakers, and a red carpet banquet. Come and witness our African Royal Coronation Ceremony. Register at www.idonetwork.org to book your ticket to wine and dine with African royalty. Vendor opportunities available. Get face-to-face -face with the royals who own the land and resources for business. Contact DACA for deal room information at 602-730-4572. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation of Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, July 10th, 2022. We are here live. You can give us a call, 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call number if you have a question or comment. A few weeks since we've been on live, and we know last uh, weekend the uh, radio station was shut down. It's Fourth of July weekend, or what we call the Fourth of July, as well. Uh, I was at a great event that um, Baba Kafense Chike and Sister Aaron and uh, uh, those uh, uh, the, the group uh, in the tradition they did over at the Shrine of the Black Madonna. Uh, we have the information on our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. But this was dealing with an alternative, it was an African-centered alternative to uh, the 4th of July. Okay, it was an African-centered alternative uh, to the 4th of July. And um, I, I was there for that and I was a vendor there as well. So that was a great event. Uh, and they read excerpts of Frederick Douglass' speech, What to the Negro is the 4th of July, okay? So, um, and uh, I was all over the place for Juneteenth as well. All right, I want to go, uh, before we go any further, I want to go to the phone lines. Uh, let's go to Norm, who's been holding. Hey, Norm, welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us where you're calling from, Norm. Thanks for holding. You calling from okay? Speak up a little yeah. bit. Your voice is a little muffled, Norm. Yeah, I, my my voice is a little muffled. You say? Yeah, it's a little muffled. Okay, you okay. say you're calling from Tampa, Florida. It's muffled. Right, right. Okay. And, um, hold on okay. Are you on a right. Norm? Are you on a Bluetooth earpiece? Okay. Go ahead and talk. Go ahead and talk. Yeah, I just took it off. Okay. Yeah. 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 That works better. That sounds better. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Well. Um, I'm on. A, I'm. I'm. I'm calling them, but you know, here's the thing, man. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to ask about the Atlantic slave trade, transatlantic slave trade. Hello? Yes. 
Yeah, the ninety. Yo, but you know, there's a lot of. Um... Okay, Norma, you there? You cut out for a minute. Come across. Okay, have you come? Across, can you hear me? Yeah, you cut out for a minute. You said you want to ask about. Well. The, you said you want to ask about the transatlantic slave trade, and then you cut out for a minute. Go ahead and ask your question. Yeah, but it's, it deals with more than the, the, the transatlantic. There was a trans-Indian Ocean slave trade too. Yeah, dealing with the Portuguese and the Arabs. Information. Beg your pardon. Dealing with the Portuguese and the Arabs and slave yeah. and African people. Right, and then there's a place a place out in Indian in the Indian Ocean called Jarwa Island, mm-hmm. where you find people who are African descent mm-hmm. and live there today. And it's an uh, island that the, we're, uh, they're, they're, I mean, the Indian, the, the Miami government wants to get rid of them. The Jawa, yeah. So you have the Centralese there. Yeah. So if you read The Destruction of Black yeah. Civilization by Dr. Chancellor Williams, because the Arabs started uh-huh. enslaving African people going back to about the 8th century AD, and Africans, the, the Arabs were enslaving African people hundreds of years before Europeans started the transatlantic slave trade. Indeed. Huh? Yeah, but when you say Arabs, the Arabs there were black people, too. I mean, they yeah, were, yeah, they were black Arabs, but they were still yeah. classified as, as Arabs because Arab is not a race. Arab is a culture. Right. So there was a so there was a, a, was a there, right. yeah, yeah. So there was a there, there was a there, there was, just a second. Let me ask you a question. Just, just a second. Let me ask you a question, because we got this is only two hour show and I got a lot of information to get to. There were, sure. If you read The Destruction of Black Civilization by Dr. Chancellor Williams, he gets into this. When the, the Arabs conquer uh, Kemet, Egypt, uh, about 642 A.D., okay, and, and, the, and the Arabs are going to engage in a uh, slave trade of African people centuries before what we call the transatlantic slave trade starts in 1441 with the Portuguese going into Mauritania. Mm-hmm. The, Ar- the Arabs are doing this. And then you're going to have what you call the Indian Ocean slave trade. You're going to have the Arabs working with the Portuguese enslaving Africans also. That, that that portion of that slave trade starts hundreds of years later once the Portuguese get involved in the transatlantic slave trade. The Portuguese are the first ones involved in the transatlantic slave trade. The, 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 the Spanish are going to be right behind them because Spain and Portugal are right next to each other. But that this is going to take place after because what sets all what sets up the transatlantic slave trade is going to be the Africans known as the Moors taking these teachings from the Nile Valley region of Africa into Europe, bringing Europe out of the dark ages. And everything we taught them came back to kick us in the behind. Now you also have a a slave trade of Muslims enslaving Christians, including white Christians as well. And you had uh, Mm -hmm. Muslims of different ethnic groups and races, including some of the Moors engaged in that slave trade also. Go ahead. And then I got to get to, I I got to go back to Emmett Till. Okay. Uh, uh, The other thing too, I wanted to, to mention to you is that, um, there is a tremendous crisis happening in black health care where black doctors are under attack and stuff and being arrested disproportionately and being kicked off of Medicare and those sort of things. And you need to read about this, brother, because there's a big Supreme Court decision, just as a nine-zip decision that discussed this, where, you know, particularly black doctors are practicing medicine 
and they're being called drug dealers and being attacked by the drug enforcement agency. And I've worked closely with that. If you read my blog, you are within the norms.com, you will see that. And one of the fraternity, I know Brother Roland Martin is a member of the Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity. Mm-hmm. A lot of Alpha Phi Alpha brothers, very ambitious, have been attacked like this. Just read my blog. You are with What's the, the name of your blog? Com. What's the name of your blog, Norm? What's the name of your blog? It's called Y O U A R within the norms.com. And we've been trying to get to Brother Roland about this. This is major stuff where brothers like like uh, uh, surgeons, uh, a guy named Greg Belcher, uh, guys like uh, just in Detroit, there was a case last week right. where a brother named David Lewis was found not guilty. He and a group of doctors were found not guilty in Detroit federal court, and he was a member of Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity, and uh, the, uh, and they tried to say they stole uh, five, uh, five, uh, right. a half a billion dollars, and the whole thing was a fraudulent deception okay. get, get, in order to undermine black All right, give, give us the name of your blog one more time so people, give us, give us the name of your blog one more time so people can go check it out. Y-O-U A-R-E within the norms.com and is read all over the world. Okay. And uh, the black doctors, a group of black doctors are working together to put and expose the deception by our Department of Justice, the so-called Department of Injustice, and DEA, particularly DEA, the criminal, right. a criminal organization all right. of, the, of the United States. I got a norm. Norm, we got to go. Thanks for calling. Call back next Sunday, Norm. There's only a two-hour okay. show. Thanks for calling. Okay. Uh, thanks for calling, Norm. All right. I want to get back to this Emmett Till story because we're up against a break again. Um, okay. All the and, and when we come when we come back from the break, I want you to hear this segment from uh, the readout Joanne Reed because uh, Joy interviewed a relative of Emmett Till about this new development. Although the two men, J.W. Millam and Roy Bryant, were acquitted, uh, they later admitted to killing Emmett Till in an interview with Look Magazine. Uh, in uh, last year, in uh, 2021, a federal investigation that reexamined the murder ended after the Justice Department failed to find proof that uh, Carolyn Bryan Dunham had lied. Now, we know Emmett Till was 14 years old. He is from Chicago. He's visiting his family in Money, Mississippi. When he entered the store in Money, Mississippi, where Carolyn Bryan Dunham, then 21 years old, was working, she accused Emmett Till of making improper advances after he whistled at her, an act considered at the time to be defiance of the South's racist social codes, their segregation. Now, evidence indicates a woman possibly possibly Carolyn Bryant Dunham identified Emmett Till to the men who later killed him. Now, the problem is you have to prove this in court. You can't go into court and said, and said the witch lied. That's not evidence. You have to prove this in court. Problem is all, all the witnesses are dead. So how do you prove this? This is the challenge with taking her to court. Now her arrest warrant, was publicized at the time, 1955, but was never served. This LaFleur County Sheriff told report the LaFleur County Sheriff at the time in 1955 told reporters um, he did not want to bother. He did not want to bother Carolyn Bryan Dunham uh, because she had two young children, okay, because she had two young children. 
imagine that he didn't want to bother her because she had two young children but Emmett Till is dead okay she had two young children to care for all right now Carolyn Brian Dunham who is now in her 80s and was recently living in North Carolina has not commented publicly on the discovery of the warrant she could not be reached on Tuesday July 7th when this article came out at phone numbers listed for her Emmett Till's murder shocked the nation and acted as a catalyst for the civil rights movement and it really helped galvanize the civil rights movement the NAACP and uh Megar Evers helped to gather witnesses to testify uh at the trial we know that uh also there's a, there's a good article so the, so the class that I teach on Sundays from the civil war to the civil rights movement and black power 1865 to 1968 we get deep into this and deal with how uh the uh uh, the murder of Emmett Till helped to galvanize the uh, uh, civil rights, the modern day civil. We know that um, there was a uh, a meeting that uh, uh, Rosa Parks attended uh, where Dr. T.R.M. Howard was speaking. And this was about the murder of Emmett Till. Uh, this was uh, a few days before. I think it was a few days before she refused to give up her seat December 1st, uh, 1955 on that Cleveland Avenue bus. We know this is going to launch the Montgomery bus boycott and what's known as the modern day civil rights movement. Okay. There's a good article break. There's a good article from history.com, the official website of the history channel called how Emmett Till's murder galvanized the civil rights movement, how Emmett Till's murder galvanized the civil rights movement. This is from February 3rd, 2017. You listen to the African history network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. iRedify is a black-owned digital platform that showcases black and brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read e-books, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iRedify.com. Sign up for your membership today. What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, July 10th, 2022, and we are live. Calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. I know it's been a few weeks uh, since we've been on live, uh, so you can give us a call. If you call in, please keep your comments short or questions short because I have a lot of information to get through. All right. Okay. Um, 
Also, visit our new website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. We're going back to the uh, uh, Emmett Till uh, story, the update uh, in the, the cold case of uh, Emmett Till's murder. Going back to that in just a minute. Uh, we're going to this clip here from uh, the readout with Joanne Reed uh, as well. She, in, she interviewed a uh, relative of Emmett Till. Uh, our new website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. You can support the African History Network through PayPal, paypal.me slash the AHN show, cash app, cash app, dollar sign, the AHN show. This helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, pay some of the bills, etc. This is our cap account, dollar sign, the AHN show, S-H-O-W. These other ones, and, this, and there are a few other ones that are not shown here, are fake African History Network cash app accounts. I've already launched an investigation with, I've already had cash app launch investigation. I'm trying to get these fake ones shut down because they've been stealing money from us. We have a 72-hour sale going on until Tuesday, July 12th. You get 30% off orders of $100 or more, excluding online courses. Uh, so my lectures and some others, uh, DVD and digital downloads uh, at our new website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. Okay, we have the information there. You can also register for the online history classes I teach uh, normally on Saturdays and Sundays. Now, we have uh, two special sessions. Uh, one is going to uh, Tuesday, July 12th. 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. of ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade with a didn't teach in school, 10-week online class. And then on Wednesday, July 13th, uh, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., a special session of from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. Those classes are on sale, $60 uh, each, regularly $130. We have a bundle pack where you can register for both classes for $100. We do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. As soon as you uh, register, you can go back and watch the uh, classes like we did uh, the, the past few weeks, and you can join us in class uh, for the next classes Tuesday and Wednesday. Okay, uh, I want to go back to the story here, and I, I sent you that uh, clip, uh, Jalen, so we want to go to that here in just a minute. Okay, the uh, if we go back to this article here from um, NBC News, there's a good piece here. Uh, this one is... Uh, this is dealing with uh, the arrest warrant that was found. Okay, the arrest warrant that was uh, that was found that was issued August 29th, uh, 1955. Okay, so Emmett Till's murder shocked the nation and acted as a catalyst for the civil rights movement. His mother, Mamie Mamie Till Mobley, uh, insisted on an open casket to show the brutality of his killing, and thousands attended his funeral. We know that uh, Jet Magazine show those images and it shocked the world also. Now, uh, Malik Shabazz, a, a lawyer who, not Minister Malik Shabazz here in Detroit, but this is Malik Shabazz, uh, a lawyer who appeared with the uh, Emmett Till family Thursday said the effort to bring Carolyn Bryant Dunham to justice was worth pursuing despite Dunham's age. She's in her eighties. He said Emmett Till never got to make it to 87. Emmett Till never had a day where he could go to a nursing or whatever, nursing home or whatever, because his life was taken. So check out this uh, article here from uh, NBC News. And there were other articles dealing with this as well. We posted about this on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. He got thousands of likes uh, and hundreds of comments. Emmett Till's family again calls for a woman's arrest after the discovery of a 1955 warrant. Okay, now I wanna go to uh, this clip here. This is from uh, the readout with Joanne Reed. 
this is from uh, June 30th, 20, is this the right one? June 30th, 2022. Carolyn Bryant must be indicted for role in murder, kidnapping of Emmett Till, his cousin says. Joy, uh, Joanne Reed um, interviewed uh, Emmett Till's cousin and trying to get her name here. Okay. Well, we, we, we'll, we'll hear it in the, uh, uh, I was trying to see if they listed her name here. Uh, but okay, let's let's go to this clip, Jalen. It has been nearly 67 years since Emmett Till was abducted, tortured, and lynched in Mississippi. After the 14-year-old black boy from Chicago was who was visiting family in Mississippi was accused of making advances at a white woman. In an amazing discovery last week, a team searching a Mississippi courthouse basement for evidence in the case uncovered an unserved 1955 arrest warrant charging that same woman for Till's kidnapping. Included in that team were relatives of Till. They're now calling for the woman, Carolyn Bryant Donham, now in her 80s, to be arrested. Donham was married to one of the two white men who were tried and acquitted for Till's brutal murder. Shockingly, by an all-white jury. Maybe not so shockingly, given this country's history. They later confessed to the killing. The arrest warrant against Donham was publicized at the time. But get this, the sheriff told reporters that he did not want to, quote, bother Ms. Bryant, since she had two young children to care for. Oh, American history. With me now is Deborah Watts, Emmett Till's cousin and co-founder of the Emmett Till Legacy Foundation. She was part of the team that discovered the warrant. Thank you so much for being here, Ms. Watts. I want to take you back to that discovery. What were, what were you all looking for in that courthouse, and how did you come upon this incredible uh, document? Well, I'll just tell you with the team of about five of us. It was the second opportunity to search. There was a team that went towards the end of March after we had a meeting with the Department of Justice, the FBI investigator, and the DA Gibson. And so at that time, they told us there was nothing to do. And we knew all along that this warrant for Carolyn Bryant's arrest was never served. Keith Bolshop, who is a award-winning filmmaker and was responsible for the investigation that reopened the case in 2004, made sure that we understood that. And so a collective group of us went to the courthouse in LaFleur County, uh, Greenwood, Mississippi, to search for that warrant. And we knew that one, that one bit of evidence had never been served, and we wanted to find it amongst other things that we thought might be there. But we did find it, and we are hoping that this leads to the um, at least the execution of the warrant to Carolyn Bryant Dunham, charging her in the kidnapping and murder of Emmett Lewis Till, because she's culpable in that, without malice, without hate, or without vengeance. Okay, we're going to pause it right there. We're going to pick this up on the other side of the break. That was uh, Deborah Watts, a cousin of Emmett Till. Uh, we're going to give you some more information on this. And also, I want to just walk you briefly through the 16-page report from the Department of Justice. And we did this when they released the report late last year. And you see why they could not bring charges. Okay, they investigated all this stuff floating around in media. Oh, she recanted the testament, all this stuff. They investigated all that and keep coming up with zeros, keep coming up with nothing. You listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. What does self care mean to you? To us, 
It's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com. iRedify is a black-owned digital platform that showcases black and brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read ebooks, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iRedify.com. Sign up for your membership today. Remember, different topics here on the After History Network show. We do recurring events and history and much, much more. We're going to give you an update on what's going on. This is about self-preservation. We have to extinguish the fire of white supremacy. See, let's just have consequences. Catch it all right here on 910 AM Superstation. The views and opinions expressed on any program are those of the producers and or the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 910 AM Superstation or Adele Media. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation, the future radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, uh, July 10th, 2022, and we are live calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. We'll go to the phone lines in a few minutes here. I'm going to finish this clip. This is an interview that... Um, Joanne Reed did with Deborah Watts. Deborah Watts is a cousin of Emmett Till. When we go back to the phone lines, we'll go to Willie. Uh, so Willie, hold the line. Once again, the call in number is 313-778-7600. Okay, I want to let you uh, know those in the Detroit area know that uh, Sunday, July, uh, July 17th, Sunday, July 17th, I'll be... Um, uh, I'll be at Chandler Park, okay? Uh, there's a Family Fun Day Part 2 taking place Sunday, July 17th, 2022, uh, 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. This is free and open to the public, free and open to families at Shed Number 1. This is a pop-up shop. They're going to have uh, free things there. Uh, it's a good family uh, environment. We're going to put this on our website uh, the African History Network.com, the African History Network.com. So you can uh, get more information. You'll be able to vi visit the vendor booth of the African History Network. I'll be there. I'll have my DVD lectures. You can come talk to me. We'll be registering people also for the online history classes that I teach. And uh, Chandler Park uh, Drive, Detroit, 12801 Chandler Park Drive, uh, Detroit. Okay. This is organized by Boss Lady. Uh, Boss Legacy, Boss Legacy, uh, Family Fun Day, uh, Part 2, 20, uh, 2022, July 17th, 2022, okay? All right, so we'll put that information at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right, uh, I want to go back to uh, this this uh, interview here from June 30th, 2022. Uh, this is from the readout with Joanne Reed. She's speaking to... Um, 
uh, Deborah Watts, who's a cousin of Emmett Till. Let's go back to this clip, please, Jalen. We want justice served. And so we were just excited, ecstatic, happy, very emotional at the time when we found it in the lower level of the, the Lafleur County uh, courthouse area in the booth yeah there carolyn uh, brian um donna she she you know the book the blood of emmett till which a lot of, which brought a lot of people younger people um to this story that only knew about it from you know history class if it's illegal to teach in their state um that in that book carolyn brian donna she actually gave an interview to that author and then she took back her her previous admissions that she lied about your cousin about emmett till um do you want her arrested right there, put under oath pause it right there to get pause it right her there. to Pause it right there. Back that up about 20, 30 seconds. That is false. Carolyn Bryan Dunham has not recanted her testimony. And when you, when after this, see, I don't know who prepped Joanne Reed for that segment. That is blatantly false. I know what the headline said. I reported on this back in 2017 when that information came out. When you go through and read the information, when you go through and read all those articles, there's no evidence she recanted her testimony. This is why the Department of Justice had to close their investigation. See, I actually read the 16-page report that the Department of Justice released explaining why they had to close the investigation. Go back to the clip, please. Yeah, there. Carolyn, uh, Brian, um, Donna, she, she, you know, the book, The Blood of Emmett Till, which a lot of, which brought a lot of people, younger people, um, to this story that only knew about it from, you know, history class if it's illegal to teach in their state. Um, that in that book, Carolyn Bryant Donham, she actually gave an interview to that author, and then she took back her her previous admissions that That's she false. lied about your cousin about Emmett Till. Um, do you want her arrested and put under oath to get her to under oath say what she did? Well, we think the evidence speaks for itself, and we think that the sheriff needs to serve that warrant to Carolyn Bryant. The DA needs to impale a, or impanel, excuse me, a grand jury, and then they need to bring Carolyn in to be a part of that and indict her being culpable in the murder. Yeah. And first of all, the kidnapping of Emmett Lewis Till. Absolutely. But uh, Carolyn definitely was there. I mean, the FBI investigation uh, and other reports and the admission by Dale Killinger, who was the FBI investigator at the time, he, he received an admission from that two other young men had been brought to her to identify them. And of course, we know what happened with Emmett. Those two other young men were accosted. They were thrown out, beat up. Some of them were beat up. And yeah. But Emmett, what happened to Emmett? He yeah. was kidnapped and murdered later. So there yeah. had to be an identification. Brian could be the only person that would do that. And in fact, in the documents that we found, there was an affidavit for her arrest as well. Mm -hmm. Also, the address of Moe's Wright, who identified her. He had rights. So we talked to him, and this kidnapping uh, took place, of course, uh, Joy, before the murder. So justice needs to be served. It's time, and Carolyn needs to be brought uh, to justice. I just want to very quickly, before we run out of time, ask you, I mean, you were what, what, six, seven years old um, when your cousin was murdered. H how did, you know, his murder and this historic funeral that uh, Mamie Till um, opened the casket so that the world would have to see the results of it? Were you at that funeral? How did that, his death impact your family? 
I was not at the funeral. I was actually a toddler at the time, not quite six, seven years of age. But I heard about it. When Mamie Phil Mobley traveled across the country to speak out along with the NAACP, she came to my hometown, Omaha, Nebraska. And I was able to see a booklet that was created by a photojournalist, Ernest Withers, who identified and, and photographed, I should say, the trial and that famous photo of, of Mose Wright pointing at the two murderers. And so I was able to see that and connect the tears, the emotions with Mamie's visit. And see, even as a toddler, I was able to become emotional about it. But later in years, um, Mamie Till Mobley is my shero. And we oftentimes had conversations about what happened, who was responsible, and what kind of justice she wanted. Yeah. She did not want, excuse me, she, she did not, um, I, would, I would say this, she didn't want to have any type of hate towards Carolyn Bryant or vengeance, and we hold that in our hearts as well. We just want justice served, just as we yeah. wanted, just as we wanted it as well. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Deborah Watts, it's such an honor to talk to you. Thank you so much and the best to your family. And we wish you very much luck in this, pursuing this case. Um, thank you, thank Deborah Watts. You. Thank you. Okay, pause right there. Thank, all right, thanks, Jay. Okay, that was from June 30th, 2022. That is from uh, the readout with Joanne Reed. Good interview, except for that uh, inaccurate information that Joy disseminated that came from headlines. But when you actually dig deeper into that, it's false. Carolyn Bryant must be indicted for role in murder, kidnapping of Emmett Till, his cousin says, June 30th, 2022, the readout, that's at msnbc.com. You can watch that clip in its entirety. Now, let's go to, uh, now back in April of, um, April 2022, we know the Detroit News had the article, Emmett Till's relatives want the woman who accused him uh, prosecuted for 1955 kidnapping. Also, Yahoo News uh, by any means, Emmett Till's family calls on authorities to use 1995 kidnapping warrant. Should be 1955. They have a typo in their headline. 1955 kidnapping warrant to apprehend woman who was wrongly accused, uh, who wrongly accused Chicago teens. So these are articles we reported on this back when this happened. This is Detroit Free Press article from the Detroit Free Press, along with my notations as well. Now, let's look at this here. Now, this is when this came out. Uh, I talked about this uh, December 6, 2021. Emmett Till noticed to close file. This is the 16 page report from the Department of Justice explaining why they had to close uh, the file on Emmett Till. They kept running into uh, uh, dead ends uh, when, when they go in all these claims floating around in the in the uh, in the media and all this stuff. It's easy to say things on shows. It's easy to say things um, in a book. When you go to court, the burden of proof is on the prosecution. You have to be able to prove your case based upon the evidence. Uh, as uh, Denzel Washington told uh, E. Training Day, it's not what you believe is what you can prove. That's what this is. Now, go back when this came out in December 21, we went through this here on this show. Go read this. This is from the Department of Justice, justice.gov, official website of the Department of Justice, Emmett Till, notice the closed file. This is the 16-page report that goes through and breaks down their investigation, what they investigated, all the leads they went through, and what they found, okay, and why they had to close the investigation. I'm going to focus on pages four and five section d for the sake of time because this is only a four a two-hour show uh okay section section 
D starts on is that's A. But it, okay, it should be page five. Um, section. Let's scroll down here. Yeah, section D starts on page four. Pages four and five. That's what we're going to focus on. You can read this whole thing in its entirety, but I'm going to focus on uh, section four and five. Okay. Section uh, uh, four and five. Set starting with section D. They they talk about in section C. They talk about the 2004 federal investigation as well. Uh, we broke all this down here on the show when this when this report came out. Section D. Timothy Tyson's claim. Professor Timothy Tyson, who wrote the book, uh, The Blood of Emmett Till. And when this revelation came out in 2017, we dealt with this here on the African History Network show, and I had a whole lot of questions in that still haven't been answered. Timothy Tyson's claim that Carolyn Bryant Dunham recanted her testimony. Okay, now, um, let's go to this here. Let me increase the size of this. All right. No additional investigations were taken by the federal or state government in the next decade. Then shortly before the publication of his book, The Blood of Emmett Till, Timothy Tyson, who's a professor, Professor Timothy Tyson revealed to uh, several media outlets that Carolyn Bryan Dunham had during an interview with him nearly a decade earlier recanted the account that she had provided under oath during a hearing at the trial of Roy, Roy Bryan and J.W. Miller. Now, just keep in mind that people are saying, oh, bring up a perjury charge. Just keep in mind perjury charges uh, 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 are between five to seven years after they are committed, after perjury is committed. The trial was in 1955. The, it's past the statute of limitations for the trial. If she gave false statements to the FBI during their investigations, the statute of limitations, I think, is seven years for that. You can bring up her charges on that. But once again, you have to prove it based upon evidence, especially when you go to court. It's based upon evidence. It's not what people say on TV shows. It's based upon the evidence. Now, uh, Professor Timothy Tyson's account suggested that Carolyn Bryant Dunham lied in court in 1955 and lied to uh, the FBI, which would be a crime if you can prove it, and lied to the FBI. Uh, let's go back to this. Uh, Timothy Tyson's accounts suggested that Carolyn Brown lied in court and lied during the FBI's 2004 investigation. Okay, now the statute of limitations for the 2004 investigation have, have expired. It's basically seven years. That would be 2011. The, the investigation that the FBI just closed in 2021 that's still within the statute of limitations. That's still so if you can prove that she lied in the statements that she gave to the FBI, well, then that's grounds for prosecution. But once again, you have to prove it based upon evidence. And, you know, one of the problems is all the witnesses are dead. Specifically, Professor Timothy Tyson stated that Carolyn Bryant Dunham admitted that her representation that Emmett Hill had made verbal and physical advances toward her made verbal and physical advances toward her in the store was quote unquote, not true. F the FBI went through, they investigated all this. Now in the book, in Professor Timothy Tyson's book, which was published the following month in 2017, Professor Timothy Tyson wrote that Carolyn Bryan Dunham said, quote, I have thought and thought about everything uh, Emmett Till, uh, about Emmett Till, the killing and the trial, telling who did what to who, and, and then she murmured 
quote, they're all dead now anyway, according to Timothy Tyson's account, they're all dead now anyway. He wrote that while, quote, trying hard to distinguish fact from remembrance, trying hard to distinguish fact from remembrance, Carolyn Bryant Dunham revealed a story different from what he thought he knew about the incident. Specifically, he represented that Carolyn Bryant Dunham handed him a transcript of her sworn testimony and claimed that part's not true. What part's not true? When you go through and read those articles, they quote this part. She said that part's not true, according to Timothy Tyson. He doesn't say what part is not true. We're going to continue this on the other side of the break, get deeper into the actual report from the Department of Justice that goes through and investigates all this stuff circulating in, in the media, things like this. Now, this is before they don't, this was before the arrest warrant surfaced, okay? But they go through and they show why they had to close this investigation. You listen to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. STEM Forward, helping our community find their place in the emerging fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Join us for our monthly live stream on our website, stemforwardedu.org. Watch, subscribe, share. Also join our mailing list to stay up to date with STEM resources and opportunities. STEM Forward, the future is now. Watch, subscribe, share. Ido Network International, in collaboration with STL Black Woman, DACA, and ACTA, present the Royal Pilgrimage to the Americas, August 24th through the 28th. The African kings and queens are coming to you for business, networking, and sharing of Pan-African ideals. The venue will be the illustrious En Garde Arts Hotel in St. Louis, Missouri. A royal cultural experience and exhibitions, trade and investment opportunities in Africa, the Caribbean, and the Americas a Royal Pan-African Summit hosting keynote speakers, and a red carpet banquet. Come and witness an African Royal Coronation Ceremony. Register at www.idonetwork.org to book your ticket to wine and dine with African royalty. Vendor opportunities available. Get face-to-face -face with the royals who own the land and resources for business. Contact DACA for deal room information at 602-730-4572. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, July 10th, 2022. Calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. Uh, I'm going to get through some more of this uh, actual report from the Department of Justice dealing with their investigation into the allegations that Carolyn Bryant Dunham recanted her testimony as told by Professor Timothy Tyson in his book, The uh, Blood of Emmett Till. Then we're going to go to the phone lines. We'll go to Willie Willie Hold the Line. OK. Um, and once again, it's important for us to read when I in 2017, when this story came out, I read numerous articles on this and I read statements by Professor Timothy Tyson, things like this. And I really wasn't convinced because I'm like, OK, I'm reading the headline. She recanted her testimony. I'm looking at his statements and I'm, I'm looking, OK, what evidence are you citing? 
there was one statement that he said in some of the articles had it. Oh, and what he did two interviews with her. Uh, he said she started spilling the beans before he could start recording. He said she was spilling the beans right away. Spilling the beans. What did she say? Provide your evidence. Because this is this is what the FBI said. And the FBI said you gave us one recording. You said you had two. You gave us one recording. Professor Timothy Tyson's explanation of what happened to the second recording kept changing. His explanation of did she actually confess to recanting testimony? His explanation kept changing on that too. Emmett Till noticed the closed file. Do I want her brought to justice? Absolutely. But when you go to court, the burden of proof is on the prosecution. Saying the witch lied is not evidence. And her defense attorney, her defense attorney will destroy Professor Timothy Tyson on cross-examination. This is from Monday, December 6, 2021. Okay. And when and this starts out, it's it, it talks about the fact that, and I'm going to uh information I'm sharing is on page four. Okay, page four starts section D. That's to me the most important stuff here. Uh, they go through and on page two, um, when they go through and look at this, uh, it starts, I want to start with the paragraph in early 2017. Okay. So formally this case. Okay. Next one right here. And this is page two in early graph in early 2017, new information emerged suggesting that Carolyn Brian Dunham recanted her claims that Emmett Till had assaulted and propositioned her in the store. Timothy Tyson, a university professor who had written a book, the blood of Emmett Till alleged during pay attention to this alleged during a book promotion tour that Carolyn Brian Dunham had during an interview with him nearly a decade earlier Why'd you wait so long to say something nearly a decade earlier in 2008 recanted the account that she had provided under oath and proceedings related to uh, Roy Bryant and J.W. Millam's trial. OK, one Professor Timothy Tyson, uh, once his assertion, what once Tyson's assertion about the recantation was made public, members of Emmett Till's family state and federal public officials, advocacy groups, journalists, and other interested parties requested an investigation into, and if possible, prosecution of Carolyn Bryan Dunham. Now, shortly after the books, so this stuff came out, they said, can you look into this? Can you investigate this? The Department of Justice opened up an investigation. When they open up investigation, they're going to investigate. They interviewed all, they interviewed a bunch of people, all these claims. They interviewed Carolyn Bryan Dunham and her daughter-in-law because her daughter-in-law was present for both of the interviews. Shortly after the book's publication, The Blood of Emmett Till, in 2017, attorneys in the Department of Justice's Civil Rights Division, the United States Attorney's Office for the Northern District of Mississippi, and the Mississippi District Attorney's Office, Fourth District reopened prior investigations to examine the truthfulness of Professor Timothy Tyson's claim and re-examine the earlier decision to close the case without prosecution because there was a 2004 investigation. That 2004 investigation was closed. 
So they're going back looking at the 2004 investigation as well. Specifically, the Department uh, of Justice reviewed its previous determination concerning Carolyn Brian Dunham's culpability in Emmett Till's abduction and murder, and also considered whether new information coming from Professor Timothy Tyson suggested that any other living person complicit in Emmett Till's murder could be identified and potentially prosecuted. Are there any other witnesses we don't know about? Because when you go to court, you're gonna need witnesses. You're gonna need evidence. You're gonna need evidence that will withstand cross-examination by a defense team. The FBI's investigation, although no longer active in 2017, had never been officially closed. For the reasons set forth below, the Department of Justice has concluded after an exhaustive multi-year review that it cannot prosecute Carolyn Brian Dunham or any other subjects uh, to, uh, so there was one and then two, uh, for any federal offense. The first, the department has not uncovered any new evidence that would change its conclusion from its 2004 investigation that it was not able to bring federal charges against Carolyn Bryant Dunham in connection with Emmett Till's abduction and murder. Moreover, and as explained more fully below, read the, read, go read this full 16 page report because I've read it and we dealt with this on this show back when this came out in December 2021. Moreover, and as explained more fully below, the statute of limitations, which is essentially a deadline for charging someone with a crime, has run on all potential federal crimes that could apply to Emmett Till's abduction and murder, and there is no other potential basis for jurisdiction. Now, I checked Mississippi state law. There is no statute of limitations for kidnapping. There is no limitations for kidnapping as well as federal law. There is no statute of limitations for kidnapping as well. So the arrest warrant is still valid because there's no statute of limitations when it comes to kidnapping in Mississippi or federal. But you're going to need more evidence and where your witnesses. Additionally, the department cannot prosecute Carolyn Bryan Dunham either for perjury, which is lying while under oath in relation to the 1955 state trial in Mississippi, or for previously making false statements to federal investigators. The statute of limitations has run for any charges, state or federal, as I already said, for lying under oath. It's usually between five to seven years. And for any charges that could be based on false statements, Carolyn Bryan Dunham Kellen Bryant Dunham made to federal investigators during the 2004 investigation because the statute of limitations ran out for the 2004 investigation. Finally, the Department of Justice cannot charge Carolyn Bryant Dunham for making false statements during the current investigation. Dunham was re-interviewed in 2017, at which time she denied having ever recanted her court testimony. So you got to prove in court that she recanted her testimony and you need evidence. The department thus considered whether it could charge her with making false statements in relation to the current investigation, the one they just closed in December, 2021, but to prosecute for making a false statement to federal investigators, the government would have to prove 
beyond a reasonable doubt to a jury based upon the evidence, not what's in the headline, but based upon the evidence, the government would have to prove that she intentionally lied when she told FBI agents that she never recanted her prior statements. She'd have to prove she maintains she never recanted her prior statements. Her daughter-in-law that was present for the two interviews that Timothy Tyson did, her daughter-in-law was interviewed in this investigation. She says she never recanted her uh, statements. The burden of proof is on the prosecution. So you have to prove she did. Timothy Tyson said he lost the audio recording of the recantation. He, he said he had two audio recordings. He said, and the FBI said, you gave us one. There's no recantation on this audio recording. He said he lost the second one. Let me let me get this straight. You are interviewing her for a book. You do two audio recordings and you don't back your stuff up on external hard drives. I have seven external hard drives to back this work up that I do. You didn't back this stuff up on external hard drives. That doesn't sound right. We'll deal with this on the other side of the break, and we'll go to the phone lines as well. You listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in, in a few minutes. Yeah, we do a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We do current events of history and so much, much more. We're going to give you an update on what's going on. This is about self-preservation. We have to extinguish the fire of white supremacy. See, let's just have consequences. Catch it all right here on 910 AM Superstation. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael. I'm Hotep. It is, do we, are we still supposed to say that tagline to Future Radio? I've been on this, I've been on the air on 910 for six years. So, I mean, I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> I remember when they said 910 is on fleek. I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> Jalen, send me a text message. Is the tagline still the Future Radio? Let me know what the tagline is. I don't, I don't remember that. Back to the Future whatever I, I don't know but anyway <laughs> I, man, come on man i started on on steve hood's show <laughs> in the mornings thursday mornings it was on 7 a.m to 9 a.m so calling numbers 313-778-7600 313-778-7600 is the calling number it's sunday july 10th 2022 and we're on live first time we've been on live in the uh i think i, I think our last live broadcast was june 12th I was extremely busy for Juneteenth, so I couldn't do the show. And they were, the station was shut down last weekend for the 4th of July uh, as well. That's what Dr. Shaka Musa Shango called it, who wrote the book, African People and European Holidays and Mental Genocide. Uh, he called it the 4th of July. The other people called it the 4th of July. These two books here, these two books here, uh, book one and book two, African People and European Holidays and Mental Genocide. But Dr. Shaka Musa Barashango, which deals with the history of these uh, various European holidays, we've been taught to celebrate. You can celebrate them if you want to, but you should at least know the history behind what it is that you're celebrating. Because if you understand the history behind what it is that you're celebrating, it will probably uh, change. If you decide to keep celebrating these European holidays, it will probably change how you engage in them, how you celebrate them. OK. All right. Um, so right before the break, we were uh, going through breaking this down once again, as we did in December when I was on six days a week. And now once you keep in mind, we're just doing our show Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, because it was 
uh, a financial strain for me to do the show six days a week. It's a lot of work and a lot of research, things like this, and I just can't do it. So we're back to just doing Sundays, 9 p.m., 11 p.m. Um, if you follow us on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotel, I'll be doing some broadcasts during the day, uh, you know, during the week as well. But um, uh, doing radio 11 p.m. at night was causing me to stay up late, get to bed late, get up late the next morning, things like that. So we're just back to once a week. Well, we appreciate the opportunity, though, from uh, 9, 10 a.m. WFDF. Okay, back to um, this here, and then we're going to Willie on the phone, on the phone lines. Uh, this is page two. Uh, it was, it was still on page two. Now I think we're back. I think it's on page three of the Department of Justice investigation. Um, okay, so... Finally, the department cannot charge Carolyn Brian Dunham for making false uh, statements during the current investigation. Uh, this page, that's the bottom of page two, last paragraph. Uh, okay, but to prosecute Carolyn Brian Dunham for making a false statement to federal investigators, the government would have to prove in court, not in the media, in court, beyond a reasonable doubt, based upon the evidence that she intentionally lied when she told FBI agents that she never recanted her prior statement. You have to prove it based upon evidence. This necessarily means that the government would have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. Try to tell you beyond a reasonable doubt that when Carolyn Brian Dunham talked to Professor Timothy Tyson. She did, in fact, recant testimony from the state proceedings, as explained more fully below the alleged recantation is not well documented. This is what I'm trying to see. This is different. When they do their investigation, this is different than articles being written. This is different than Joanne Reed saying what he wants to say on her show. When they actually go investigate and interview people and look at the evidence, it's something entirely different. As explained more fully below, the alleged recantation is not well documented. And Professor Timothy Tyson's own account of the recantation cannot be independently corroborated. This would prevent the government from proving beyond a reasonable doubt that Carolyn Brian Dunham recanted her testimony when she spoke to Professor Timothy Tyson over a decade ago. And consequently, that she lied to FBI agents when she denied having done so. When you go to court, it's a different story. OK, so uh, that's on page two and three. Now, we were talking uh, uh, on page four, section D, Timothy Tyson's claim, Timothy Tyson's claim that uh, Carolyn Brown Dunham recanted her testimony. Um, section D starts on page four. We were dealing with that and we were continuing, continuing on page five uh, with section four, current FBI investigation. I want to go to the phone lines. I want to go to Willie, who's been holding. Uh, Willie, welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us where you're calling from, Willie. Thanks for holding. Hey, Mr. Amotep, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Hey, good Sunday night. I'm calling you up from Detroit. Detroit, okay. Hey, glad you're back on Glad you're back on the air again. Yep, thanks. Oh, Carolyn Bryant Dunham. Mm -hmm. I got the name correct. Yep. Uh, let me start by saying this. You know, uh, it was a couple of passages in the scriptures that came to mind when I when you first began to speak on this subject tonight. And one mm -hmm. is that I can't tell you where they're found, but uh, one goes, be sure your sins will find you out. Mm -hmm. There's another passage that says, um, 
that God will not acquit you you know, will not God will not acquit the wicked. And thought about a a news uh uh story I heard on the news that ties into this in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh there was a Nazi war criminal. A mm-hmm. hundred and one years old. Mm-hmm. He's so old he's wheelchair bound. Right. Well, you know, they showed him in the wheelchair during the court hearing. He's gonna have to spend the rest of his time in jail. Right, right. You I know, saw it. they took uh, him out on a stretcher. Uh, one of them I saw they took out on a stretcher. Yep. Well, uh I think that was a different case. This okay. Was a case where this guy guy was in a wheel it may have been the same. This guy was in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And my point is that uh, you know uh, that that horrible excuse for a, whole, a human being. I'm referring to uh, Mr. Carroll and Brian Dunham. Deserves right. no less. Right now, they, now, now they put him. They put him on trial in Germany. Right? That, was that in the U.S. or Germany? They put him on trial. I think that was overseas. Yeah, that's overseas. That's in I, Germany. I probably think. in Germany. Yeah. Okay. You're dealing with a different legal system. Number one, but two, they probably had evidence. Okay. See that. See that's but, different. You do if it's my, if it's overseas, you're dealing with a legal different yeah. a different legal system, different standard. But also, they probably had evidence to prove that he was involved in killing Jews and others, the Romanians, things like this. They had evidence. Okay. Uh, okay. Go 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 ahead quickly because we're up against a break. Go ahead quickly. Okay, but what I was saying, though, the fact of it is, this man and Miss Bryant both are elderly, mm-hmm. and whatever. And 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 their crimes, their sins from the past, have finally caught up with them. That's the point that I'm making. Right. Okay. So, okay. All right, Willie. Hey, good to see back on there. All right. Thanks. Thanks for calling. Good information. Thanks for calling, Willie. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. Now, uh, very quickly here because we were almost out of time. Uh, okay. This is section D. This is a uh, page. I think we're page four. The current investigation was designed to identify evidence corroborating author Timothy Tyson's claim that Carolyn Bryan Dunham recanted her 1955 testimony and where there was additional evidence identifying one previously unknown information of Carolyn Bryan Dunham having been complicit in Emmett Till's abduction and murder Two, any pretty unknown living subject and three, a basis to support any other federal or state charges and reexamining these issues. Now, keep in mind this, um, this investigation was closed before we found out that there was the arrest warrant from August 29th, 1955, and before the arrest warrant was found, okay? Uh, because we got the news in April of 2022 about this arrest warrant that was never served. In re-examining uh, arrest warrant for kidnapping for Carolyn Bryan Dunham that was never served. In re-examining these issues, the FBI interviewed Carolyn Bryan Dunham, Timothy Tyson, and persons close to or associated with them. In addition, the government also re-interviewed the last of, I'm not sure, uh, I think that may have been uh, Emmett Till's cousin, the last surviving member of the group of young men who accompanied Emmett Till to uh, the grocery store, uh, grocery and meat market, and who was present when Emmett Till was abducted uh, from his relative's home. I think that was Simeon Wright. Uh, The FBI also obtained and reviewed other relevant documents, conducted forensic computer analysis, and consulted with case agents familiar with the earlier investigation. The FBI quickly, uh, the FBI quickly identified a significant obstacle in this investigation. Professor Timothy Tyson conducted 
two separate interviews with Ken Dunham and recorded and transcribed both. However, the key statements that Carolyn Brian Dunham reportedly made to him recanting her previous testimony were neither recorded nor transcribed. So the smoking gun evidence that Professor Timothy Tyson said he had, there's no evidence of the smoking gun evidence. The key statements, because they the, the FBI went and investigated all this. Okay, these are the claims in the media. These are the claims floating around. We're going to investigate this. The, the statements that Carolyn Brian Dunham reportedly made to Professor Timothy Tyson recanting his previous testimony, her previous testimony, were neither recorded nor transcribed. The FBI learned that Professor Timothy Tyson had lost one of the recordings. You didn't back this stuff up on external hard drives. I have seven external hard drives to back up the work that I do. You didn't back this stuff up. Didn't Juvenile tell you back that thing up? You didn't back up your recordings on external hard drives. Okay. The FBI learned that Professor Timothy Tyson had lost one of the recordings, the one during which Carolyn Bryan Dunham reportedly recanted her earlier statements and sworn testimony. Moreover, Professor Timothy Tyson, now this is which is extremely important because her defense attorneys would destroy Professor Timothy Tyson on cross-examination on the witness stand in a trial. Professor Timothy Tyson gave inconsistent explanations of whether there had ever been a recording of the admission, and if not, why none had been made. What were the headlines on this? Yes, we want to brought to justice, but you got to have evidence in court. You have to have evidence. Professor Timothy Tyson also gave differing accounts as to when Carolyn Bryan Dunham made the recantation. And Professor Timothy Tyson told investigators that although Carolyn Bryan Dunham did not specifically identify any part of her testimony as untrue, he understood from the context of their conversation that she was referring to her allegation that Emmett Till had physically accosted her in the store and that this connection was and that this connection was recorded in his written notes. Timothy Tyson's notes, however, do not include such a connection. Go on to court with that. We'll be back. You listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation, the future radio. Okay, um, Jalen, I, I want to go to clip two. Uh, this is from uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, I was on Roland. I'm a panelist each Friday on Roland Martin Unfiltered. I was on uh, Friday, July 8th, and we were dealing with... Uh, President Joe Biden's um, executive order dealing with um, uh, uh, dealing with the uh, Supreme Court decision to strike down Roe versus Wade and his executive order uh, protecting uh, women's reproductive rights. Okay, so uh, I, I just sent you a clip also, uh, which is going to be clip three, Jalen. Uh, we're going to go to clip number two from Roland Martin Unfiltered. And then uh, I want to go to uh, clip three as well, uh, because that's when he comes to me, because uh, we're running out of time here. Okay, so let's go to uh, clip number two uh, from Roland Martin Unfiltered, Jalen. All right, folks, today President Joe Biden signed an executive order to protect abortion rights for Americans. Two weeks ago, the Supreme Court ended a woman's constitutional right to make her decisions about her body. Biden's order calls for the Department of Health and Human Services 
uh, to submit a status report and create an interagency committee on abortion. It also expands access to contraception, provides free legal representation for abortion providers and those seeking abortions, and has additional protections for reproductive health care data. Now, the president urged Americans to get out and vote to prevent their rights from being taken away. About a deep, long-seeding antipathy toward Roe and the broader right to privacy. As the justice wrote in their dissent, and I quote, the majority has overruled Roe and Casey for one and only one reason, because it has always despised them, and now it has the votes to discard them, end of quote. So what we're witnessing wasn't a constitutional judgment. It was an exercise in raw political power. On the day the Dobbs decision came down, I immediately announced what I would do. But I also made it clear, based on the reasoning of the court, there is no constitutional right to choose. Only the way to, the only way to fulfill and restore that right for women in this country is by voting, by exercising the power at the ballot box. Let me explain. We need two additional pro-choice senators and a pro-choice House to codify Roe as federal law. Your vote can make that a reality. I know it's frustrating, and it made a lot of people very angry. But the truth is this, and it's not just me saying it. It's what the Court said. When you read the decision the Court has made clear, it will not protect the rights of women, period. All right, folks, let's talk about this with our panel, Kelly Bethea, communications strategist, Michael Imhotep, host the African History Network show, Matt Manning, civil rights attorney. Okay, uh, hey, hey, Jayla, do me a favor. Go to clip three. Jayla, go to clip three and, and start that at the uh, 546 mark, okay? Clip, uh, clip three. Um, here's what I find to be laughable, Michael. Again, this is the letter from Texas, uh, from the Texas Freedom yes. Caucus. Uh, they actually said, to the extent that Sitley is facilitating abortions performed in violation of Article 4512.1, it is exposing itself and each of its partners to felony criminal prosecution and disbarment. The letter also details proposed legislation to be introduced in Texas that will impose additional civil and criminal sanctions on law firms that pay for abortions or abortion travel. The Freedom Caucus would like to impose Felony criminal sanctions on anyone paying for an abortion allow private citizens to sue over it a la SB 8 and any lawyer who furnishes the means for procuring an abortion knowing the purpose intended will face disbarment. Uh, now, here's what's uh, pretty stupid about this, Michael. <clears throat> First of all, Texas law does not travel across state lines. Right. That's first. Right. You can't you can't say, oh, if you did pay for it in Texas. Uh, but it happened elsewhere, then the law applies to you. No, it doesn't. You're only able to govern what happens in your state. But I need people watching and listening to understand that this is the extent that these Republicans are going to try to go to uh, to threaten Americans for making their choices. That's what we're talking about here. Yeah, Roland, you know, this, this is so crazy because when it came to being able to uh, not wear masks, they wanted freedom, okay? When it comes to Second Amendment rights, they want freedom. But when it comes to women having autonomy over their body, all of a sudden, now they don't want freedom, okay? So uh, th this, this is what Biden is dealing with. The, the executive order was good. It came within two weeks 
of the ruling from uh, the U.S. Supreme Court. I know uh, that people say that there's more that can be done, things like this, but when it, when it comes to um, doing abortions on federal property, okay, well, if that takes place within Texas, then you're still dealing with all these lawsuits and you're still dealing with this legal backlash because it took place in Texas. I know it's on federal property. So, you know, th there may be another portion possibly of an executive order coming. This is a good first step, but you, it has to be codified by Congress. It has to be codified by Congress, which is why it's important. For, it, it was important for him today to drive home the point again that you need at least two more Democratic senators and not Democrats like Joe, uh, Joe Manchin, but the right type of Democrats who will vote to codify Roe versus Wade. And I would say you need more than two, because as you as you've talked about here on this show before, Roland, uh, you have some Democrat Democratic senators in states that have Republican governors. If something happens to one of them, that Republican governor can replace them with a Republican senator and tilt the balance of the Senate. So this is high stakes, grandmaster level chess that we're dealing with. So this is extremely important, but this is a good first step. Uh, Melanie Campbell, uh, Black Women's Roundtable, uh, your assessment of this executive order uh, signed by President Biden today. Does it go far enough? Oh, I think it's, it's, it's what he can do uh, from, from the, uh, the pulpit of the White House, at, from the executive branch. Truly, what we have to have is a legislative remedy that's going to be systemic. Uh, uh, can he do more? Yes, I think that they'll, they'll continue to push it. I think it's very important uh, that he that he stated that it was important that folks also vote and try to do with it, uh, uh, use the the, the uh, power of the vote, even in the midst of, of, of the challenges we face, of course, with uh, this election cycle, because we won't be able to codify Roe v. Wade without. Uh, Congress acting, and the Senate is up, the House is up, and well, as well as many states, and even as you try to figure out how to uh, roll this back, uh, there are so many governor's races and state legislative races that are also up this year. So I think it's really important. Uh, I think also uh, what was important is that they were going to use the Department of Justice uh, that would try to protect people who may end up being charged for driving across state lines. Some of those very uh, nuanced things. The sisters that I work with and support, uh, like Sister Song and others, really talk about the, the concern about the criminalization of women as they seek um, uh, reproductive health care services uh, when they're in states. So I think that's going to be really important as we work to fight the, the political battle. We also worry to make sure we protect folks from being over-criminalized. Um, what, what we're now, one of the things, Melanie, that, uh, that, that Biden said is that uh, Republicans greatly underestimate the power of women. He believes uh, that this Supreme Court decision is going to be a boon uh, for Democrats, and it is going to really hurt Republicans in November. Agree, disagree? I think uh, I, I partially agree. Um, I think that, that there's nuances to that for black women. There are other really critical issues that impact us, but generally, I think younger women along lines 
of, uh, of age, when you're looking at women who are in their reproductive years, uh, having that concern and waking up to it. Well, one of the things that happened a lot when we were uh, in New Orleans for Essence Festival weekend, uh, the kinds of conversations we were having, there was a sense of, 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 of urgency by younger women who were trying to figure out now, this is really happening. My rights are being taken away. Just trying to figure out what to do and how can, uh, what, what is it that we can do to fight back? And so I think that, so, the, so I heard a lot of that over the course of the weekend, the issue around our rights and freedoms, whether we're talking about voting rights or reproductive rights, I think the connection to understand that our all of our rights and freedoms are under attack or uh, in a situation where they're going to continue to erode rights and freedoms for, for uh, uh, all of us. And so I think that it will, ha it will have a role. I think it was seismic. It was such a major shift in rolling back just like we were out there in the streets a year ago and continue to fight, of course, around voting rights. This, I think the timing of it is on people's minds when people would normally be thinking about just going to the beach, quite frankly. They're worrying about whether or not if something happens, I need to get an abortion or I, or I may be in a hospital or I may have to have those kind of reproductive uh, services to save my life or a family member's life. So. It's, it's out there in the ecosystem, and the folks that are showing up, the very first day, you know Deborah, Deborah Scott uh, with Georgia Stand Up, who, who we partnered with around Black Women's Round Table. Within that hour of that decision, her young people who, who are, are, are interns for her for the summer said, we want to go out here and do something. So they were out there in front of the Georgia State um, uh, House protesting. So, so when you think about the, the response, I think it will have an effect. The, the, that, that really is the, the fundamental question, um, uh, Kelly. You hear uh, Biden talking about vote, vote, vote. Uh, we know 53% of white women voted for Donald Trump in 2016. They came out to support him again in 2020. Uh, and so uh, if that's the case, was, was Biden saying correct? Because the reality is the largest, the largest, group, of white, largest group of voters in America are white voters. I... I still feel like Biden, in a way, is in this, you know, USA wonderland where everything is kind of sort of off balance right now, but it'll get better. Meanwhile, the rest of America is like, no, this is what it is right now. Um, I won't have any faith until I see the votes come in. Like, I feel like I learned my lesson after Trump got elected not to trust in polls, not to trust in much of any type of analysis thus far that says anything outside of, you know, the, the, the nitty gritty being, you know, white supremacy is, is ruling the, 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 the white people right now. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I wish that he would get on board with, you know, just kind of, not being as bipartisan as he is and just getting done what needs to be done. But like I said, we'll see. Look, uh, Matt, uh, bottom line is this here. Uh, white women uh, are going to vote like the way they did uh, in 2016, 2020. I, I, me personally, I, I don't all of a sudden see uh, these white Republican women going, oh, my goodness, this is going to be our most fundamental issue. I don't think so now independent women, that could be the case. Uh, so the reality, what I, what I keep saying is, you're going to have to see 
uh, black and Latino and Asian turnout at a much higher rate. But when it comes to, to Latinas, you got to factor in the stronghold of the Catholic Church when it comes to their perspective on abortion. I think that's correct, Roland. But I think what remains to be seen is the effect of all of the single issue voters who voted Republican for so long because they were so incensed or otherwise energized around abortion. I, I do wonder what the aggregate effect of that will be. Uh, but to your point, obviously, we need more uh, people voting, uh, non-white people voting in mass to make sure that the correct things happen going forward. And one thing I wanted to add that I didn't mention before is I do think that Mr. Biden has a good opportunity to test the bounds of federalism here because the real fallout of Roe v. Wade is it goes back to the states, right? And you have a patchwork of state policy. So I think one of the things that the federal government can do here is really push those bounds of federalism because I think Michael alluded to the point earlier, you know, if something were happening on federal land in the state of Texas, the state of Texas might try to fight it, but I don't think that the state of Texas would have supremacy over that federal action. So I think that is one one place that they can continue to build on not only these protections, but maybe affording the actual right to people, despite it being taken away by this new ruling. Michael. Yeah, Roland, you know, um, Biden got 81 million votes 2020. 61% of his votes came from white people. That was 49 million votes. 20% came from African-Americans. That was 16.9 votes. Um, the intensity right now, and it's going to continue, I think, as we hear, just like there was a, a story the day that MSNBC ran dealing with how one of the drugs that's used to treat cancer is also used uh, to treat for when, that women use it when they've had miscarriages and how this can be also a drug that gets banned. This is the next step of this. It's not going to stop here, okay? So if you look out in the streets, people are not marching in the streets because of inflation. They're not marching in the streets because of high gas prices. But women are marching in the streets of different races are marching in the streets because their constitutional right to safe abortions has been taken away. So I think that I think this is different in some respects to 2020 because now you're actually dealing with the Supreme Court ruling and taking away a constitutional right they've had for 50 years, as opposed to in 2020 or 2016, they were saying they, it could happen, okay? So I think you're going, I'm not saying all white women are gonna vote for Biden, that's not what I'm saying, but I think, I think the game has changed here. And this is an opportunity for uh, Democrats and, and others who see this as wrong to galvanize the support and actually turn this into votes for uh, the right type of Democratic candidate. Okay. All right. Um, everybody visit our new website, thehistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. Uh, follow us on Facebook, The African History Network. Turn on live, on, turn on live notifications so you know when we go live. Uh, and Michael M. Hotel on YouTube. Turn on live notifications. Uh, read this article here from NBC News. Biden signs executive order to protect abortion access. Uh, I'll be uh, Chandler Park uh, Sunday, July 17th, 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. We'll have that information at our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, where I will be. If you want me to do a presentation for your group organization, email me at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com, ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com, or theahnshow at gmail.com. We have the information at our website. Or call me, 313-462-0003, 313 
462-0003. We're out of, temp, out of time here on the Antonio Superstation WFDF. You can also support us, dollar sign, the AHN Show through Cash App and through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN Show. We'll talk about The Woman King next week, and I'll do a broadcast uh, this week as well about The Woman King uh, movie with Viola Davis. Right now, it's correct. Wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.